Welcome back to the Commission Podcast and to our summer series covering the great talks and seminars from Revive, our annual festival bringing together churches from across the network here in London to a field in Canterbury for a weekend of worship, fellowship, and great Bible teaching. Praise God, this year we had over 2,000 people on the field representing 29 churches. The theme this year was Faithful Through the Storm, focusing on both God's faithfulness to us and a reminder that because that's true, we can remain faithful to him. This first talk is from Matt Fuller, pastor at Christ Church Mayfair. The talk is entitled, When God Doesn't Seem Faithful, speaking from Psalm 89. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Shanice, and I'm a member of St. Paul's Haringey. Our passage this morning, Psalm 89, verse one. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever, With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. You crush Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours, and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south. Tabor and Hermon sing for joy at your name. Your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. For you are their glory and strength, and by your favor you exalt our horn. Indeed, Our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. Once you spoke in a vision to your faithful people, you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have raised up a young man from among the people. I have found David, my servant, with my sacred oil, I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him and through my name, his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father, my God, the rock, my savior. And I will appoint him to be my firstborn the most exalted of the kings of the earth. 
I will maintain my love to him forever, and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. If his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with the rod, their iniquity with flogging. But I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. Once for all, I have sworn my holiness and I will not lie to David, that his line will continue forever and his throne endure before me like the sun. It will be established forever like the moon, the faithful witness in the sky. But you have rejected, you've spurned, you have been very angry with your anointed one. You have renounced the covenant with your servant and have defiled his crown in the dust. You have broken through all his walls and reduced his strongholds to ruins. All who pass by have plundered him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. Indeed, you have turned back the edge of his sword and have not supported him in battle. You have put an end to his splendor and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with a mantle of shame. How long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how fleeting is my life. For what futility you have created all humanity. Who can live and not see death? Or who can escape the power of the grave? Lord, where is your former great love, which is your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked, how I bear in my heart the taunts of all the nations, the taunts with which your enemies, Lord, have mocked, which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. Praise be to the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Janice, thank you. Uh, morning, everyone. Psalm uh, 89, it's done me uh, much good. Uh, let's pray together, and I hope it'll be of enormous benefit to you as well. Let's pray. Our Father, as we've sung, sung sometimes a darkness seems to hide your face. We pray that as we meet with you in your word this morning, you would indeed help us to rest ever more deeply in your unchanging grace and trust you in your faithfulness. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I became a Christian 30 years ago, and um, uh, one or two of a certain vintage. You know, in, in the same year I became a Christian, uh, the, the, the Christian band Delirious, slightly niche, you've got to be of a certain vintage, uh, they released probably their, their best-known song, um, I will sing of your love forever. There we go, you know it. Singing in tune is optional, I think, but um, <laughs> their version, they sung in tune, but uh, I will sing of your love forever. And uh, it's a helpful, in one sense, summary of this psalm, Psalm 89, which it starts off, and it's just glorious. Psalm 89, verse 1, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. 
With my mouth, I'll make your faithfulness known through all generations. I'll declare that your love stands firm forever. You've established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Wonderful. And that's the dominant note of this psalm. God's steadfast love, his hesed love and faithfulness endures forever. Seven times love and faithfulness are paired together uh, as a couplet in, in, in the psalm. That's what it's all about. And then verses 3 and 4 go on to say, God has put a king on the throne who will endure forever. Verse 3, I've made a covenant with my chosen one, my anointed. I've sworn to David, my servant, I'll establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. It's magnificent, his love and faithfulness. We want to sing of it forever. So as we go through it, verse 8, you are Lord, you are mighty, your faithfulness surrounds you. Verse 14, love and faithfulness go before you. It's wonderful. For 37 verses, the, uh, the, the, the writer's name has been scrubbed off the top, but Ethan the Ezraite, for 37 verses, says, Lord, you are faithful. And then in verse 38, he says, but you're not, are you? You're not. Verse 38, you have rejected, you have spurned, you have been very angry with your anointed one. Lord, we're meant to sing of your faithfulness, but you're not. And we've declared that your faithfulness endures forever. But verse 49, where are they? Where is your love and faithfulness? We've been singing, Lord, I'll sing of your love forever. But now, verse 46, actually, are you going to hide yourself forever? It's quite a shift. And in Psalm 89, you have two sets of facts. There's a declaration of God's steadfast love and faithfulness. And the people observing, they just can't see it. And there's no resolution. Those two things just asserted in Psalm 89. And I want to suggest that is so profoundly helpful to you and to me. Because let's be in no doubt, we can be 100% certain of God's love and faithfulness to each and every one of his children. And at times, we cannot see at all how that is true. Both. It's, I think it's a profoundly helpful psalm, Psalm 89. Sometimes life is a tough journey. Christians don't always tell the truth about that. But the Bible is a remarkably honest book. Now, a brief word of context, Psalm 89 is the last psalm in uh, Book 3. Uh, book 3 of the psalms, Psalms uh, uh, 73 to 89, it's the bleakest bit of the psalms in one sense, because most of them are about the exile. God's people have been defeated in battle, they've lost their land, they've lost their king, many have lost their lives. It's bleak. And so much of Book 3 is a reflection on, hold on a minute, there are these promises of God, and here's the reality of life, and in the middle there's a whopping great gap between them. What? What is going on? And uh, Psalm 88, famously, I guess, is the personal lament, which uh, concludes, if you remember, darkness is my closest friend. Oh, 
Psalm 89 is the corporate lament. And again, on one hand, this chapter speaks of God's faithfulness more than any other in the Bible. And yet, I'd suggest verses 38 to 45 are as bleak as anything you get. Can we trust you? And again, that confusion is helpful. Let me be clear. You have to read verses 1 to 37 knowing that verse 38 is coming. So verses 1 to 37, here are God's people gathered together and they are singing, I will sing of your love forever. But they're doing so with tears in their eyes, confusion in their heads, anguish in their hearts. We're singing this, Lord. We're gathering together and we're singing this. And we know it's true, but we can't see it. How long until we see it? Uh, last year, I took a funeral of um, a little baby, Josiah, who um, uh, mum went into uh, to labor, baby born at term. Oops, there's an issue here, taken away, special care, dead within 48 hours. Oh. Oh, no warning. And at the funeral, we sung, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. The readings, Psalm 42. Tears have been my food all day and all night. My God, why have you forgotten me? And Revelation 21, God himself will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And both are true. There are times where all you can do is just cry. And you can still know that it'll end. And the Lord himself will wipe those tears away. And both are true. And we need to know both. At the funeral, another young man there uh, with his wife and um, their first child had been born two years earlier, stillborn, unexpected. Uh, their second child, son, born with uh, heart abnormalities and spent most of the first year of life in hospital, in, out, in, out. And afterwards, he said, holding his very frail boy, Matt, it's good we sing these songs, but it's hard. It's hard. And that's Psalm 89. The Lord is faithful. Sometimes we can't see it, but he is faithful. How does it work? Uh, the first two verses, verses 1 and 2, generally speaking about God's love and faithfulness forever, they're taken up in verses 5 to 18 and expounded upon there. Verses 3 and 4, God has appointed his king on the throne forever and ever, and they're taken up in verses 19 to 37. So we're going to work it through it like this. Uh, the Lord is surrounded by faithfulness, which is uh, verses 5 to 18. Secondly, the Lord can't betray his faithfulness, 19 to 37. And then 38 to 45, but where is faithfulness? Okay. 
So get encouraging as we go along. The Lord is surrounded by faithfulness. Secondly, he can't betray his faithfulness. 38 to 45, but where is it? First then, verses 5 to 18. The Lord is surrounded by faithfulness. Verses 5 to 8 in particular have that as a sort of, uh, sort of bookends. Verse 5, the, the heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. And at the end, faithfulness surrounds you. The bulk of the paragraph dwells upon his incomparable power and rule. So verse 6, who in the skies alone can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings in the council of the holy ones? God is greatly feared. He's more awesome than all who surround him. So there's a tying together of his wonders, Exodus miracles, etc., and his faithfulness. His faithfulness is mighty. His might is faithful. It's irresistible. You can trust this faithfulness. And it's a lovely picture, I think, verse 8. Faithfulness surrounds you. We're surrounded by people. God is surrounded by faithfulness. Not at the moment, but in winter, when you're cold, and there's that lovely moment is that where you snuggle into your duvet, and it surrounds you, envelops you, and eventually you warm up. Well, the Lord is surrounded by faithfulness. Years ago, I, uh, I was a school teacher for a number of years. The, the, the former queen, Queen Elizabeth, uh, uh, came and visited the school to open something or other. And um, it was extraordinary to see this process for like a month in advance, you get the security teams coming and, and, and scanning everything and looking at what will her route be. And, and then on the day itself, you have snipers on the roof of the building surrounding the school. And you think, golly, don't, no sudden movements when you meet her, golly. Um, <laughs> uh, and there's security, even though they've planned the route and plotted the route, you know, security going ahead, checking every doorway and everything just in advance, surrounded by security. The Lord is surrounded by faithfulness. If it isn't irreverent, she, went, she wore a lot of perfume that day. I don't know if that was generally, but I don't know. That, she was surrounded by perfume. And I sort of, whoa. <laughs> but we all have the queen. Um, surrounded. The Lord is surrounded by faithfulness. He can't leave it behind. It's not a coat he takes off. It is him. He's surrounded by it. You get the same sort of combination of mighty faithfulness in verses 9 to 14 as well. Here, the ruler, his rule over all the scary things. So verse 9, you rule over the scary surging sea. Its waves mount up, you still them. You crushed all these nasty creatures. Rahab, like one of the slain with your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. He's the ruler over creation. The heavens are yours, yours are the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. He rules over everything and creation is joyful. Tamor and Hemon sing for joy at your name. Verse 12. And really, verse 14 summarizes where, where you've got to in the first chunk of the psalm. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Seven times I say those two paired together. His steadfast love and his faithfulness. They go before him. They're his twin aids, they're his outriders. We live very centrally in uh, London, which is a privilege and a pain, um, because you know every so often you I cycle everywhere, it, and all of a sudden the, the police motorbikes will come along, you know their lights flashing, and uh, their whistles like you know stop everyone, and they're sort of very important. And uh, who is it? It was the PM normally, 
um, coming through. These outriders, and then he goes in his um, limo, and then the other ones come behind him, and they sort of go, <laughs> and nod at you as if to say, right, you, creature, you can now move. The great one has, um, <laughs> has gone. It is surrounded by, again, these outriders, love and faithfulness, not on motorbikes, but they're always before the Lord, love and faithfulness. And so verses 15 to 18, that's worth rejoicing about. And uh, Ethan the Ezraite rejoices. The Lord is surrounded by faithfulness. You can trust him. There are no enemies that can challenge him. There is nothing to make him change his mind. And one obvious area where that plays out for you and me is you can trust what he says. You really can. It doesn't change. I mean, when you get across to verses 34 and 35, he's talking about his king, but he doesn't change his mind. He doesn't lie. What God has said on all, everything in the scriptures remains true. What he said upon sexual ethics, it's still true. You can build your life upon it. What he said about two genders, it's still true. You can build your life upon it. What he said about every human naturally being under his judgment, it's true. It's all still true. Because he's faithful. He's surrounded by faithfulness. So that's verses 5 to 18, uh, sort of expanding on verses 1 and 2. Second little chunk is um, verses 19 to 37. The Lord can't betray his faithfulness, well, especially to his king, is the stress of verses 19 to 37. The focus falls upon the king now. I'll go through it all in detail. I think three things are really stressed. His strength. God will make his king strong, verses 19 to 25. He'll have intimacy with his God, verses 26 and 27. This king will call out to me, verse 26, you're my father, my God, the rock of my savior. I'll appoint him to be my firstborn. There's an intimacy. So this king has a strength and intimacy with the Lord. But most of all, the accent falls upon the fact that this is a covenant forever, in verses 28 to 37. God is establishing this king on his throne forever, verse 28, forever, verse 29, forever, verse 36, forever, verse 37. Even in the face of stubborn rebellion, it's pause, verse 30. If the king's sons, if his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, well, what will happen? Well, there'll be punishment, verse 32. I'll punish their sin with the rod, their iniquity with flogging. But the Lord will never remove his love because he's promised he'll never remove his love. Verse 33, I'll not take my love from him, nor will I betray my faithfulness. Extraordinary contrast. Verse 31, If my people violate my decrees, verse 34, I will not violate my promise that there'll always be a king over them. I'll not. And at this point, should we just pause and and, and sneak ahead to the other side of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, ah, okay, there is the anointed king who the Lord has established on his throne, who has intimacy with God as his father and with whom there's a covenant that lasts forever. 
And as we've sung already, we're the beneficiaries of that. In Cornerstone, his vow, his covenant and blood are my defense against the whelming flood. When earthly hopes are swept away, he'll uphold me on that day. So when we sneak ahead and use the language of Psalm 89, here is a reminder. You can't out-sin God's faithfulness to you. You may violate his word, but he'll never violate the promise to love you made in the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll not. You can't out-sin God's faithfulness to you. Don't try. Don't put that to the test. It'll just make your life miserable. But you can't out-sin his love to you. You, you may violate every single one of the Ten Commandments, he will not violate his promise to love you. You may start a thousand moral fires in the valley of your life, but there is a flood of love and faithfulness that puts them all out because he cannot violate his promise to love you. And you may be sat here this morning feeling a deep fraud amongst a bunch of people and thinking, I'm going through the motions, and I know I'm in a pattern of sin that the Lord detests. And he will not break his promise to love you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the day for you to repent and return to him and enjoy his love. You can't out-sin God's faithfulness. So look, there we go. Uh, the Lord is surrounded by faithfulness, 5 to 18. The Lord can't betray his faithfulness to the anointed king, 19 to 37. That's all wonderful, but, but where is faithfulness now? Verse 38. You've rejected, you've spurned, you've been very angry with your anointed one. You've renounced the covenant with your servant. You've defiled his crown in the dust. You've broken through all his walls and reduced his strongholds to ruins. All have plund passed by, plundered him. He's become the scorn of his neighbors. Well, we've just sung of your righteous, good, loving faithfulness. We've just dwelt upon the fact that you will never let love depart from your anointed king. And yet here we are, and it's all gone. We've been invaded. We've lost our land. The king has been taken into exile. We've lost our lives. We've got nothing. What's happening, Lord? We're singing, but we just don't see it in front of us. It's a problem. Verse um, 44, you've put an end to the splendor of our king. You've cast his throne to the ground. You've cut short the days of his youth. You've covered him with a mantle of shame. But Lord, we'd said, verse 22, the enemy will never get the better of our king. The wicked would not oppress him. But the reality is, verse 42, to the enemies rejoicing. And verse 42, you've done it. You said, Lord, the king would never be toppled from his throne. And you, Lord, have toppled him from his throne. What do we do? 
Two prayers you get at the end. Verse 46, how long, Lord? Verse 49, remember. And in a slightly different key, those are prayers that you and I can take as well. Let's dwell upon these two. First, verse 46, how long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Uh, That's quite something to say to God, isn't it? Can't face the music. No prophets to explain. Well, there were. What's going on, Lord? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Can you not remember how fleeting is my life? For what futility you've created all humanity? Who can live and not see death? Who can escape the power of the grave? It's pretty bleak. Now, can I be awkward? It's a little bit awkward. <laughs> and um, here's what Ethan the Ezra Hyatt, the writer of this psalm, didn't say at this point. Okay? He didn't say, well, we've got all these promises from God and can't see any of them. But um, we know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. And um, so it's fine. It's all fine. He doesn't say that. I expect he believed that, that God is sovereign and working for the good of his people. You and I have to know that and believe that. Can't cope without that. And yet what he does here is he dwells upon, lingers upon his bewilderment, confusion, disorientation, promises, life. What? He accuses the Lord, quite strong. What do we do with that? Well, if you know your Bible, 67 of the 150 Psalms have some element of lament. May only be a verse or two, but some element of lament. How long? Why? Lord? What's that? 40%, 45%? The Bible expects that life is hard. The Lord gives us the Psalms saying, at times you'll need to pray this. Because the gap between what I've promised and what you can see will be confusing to you. And so for us, honestly, what do we expect life to look like at times? Do you not expect that there'll be moments, periods, where you think, I can't see God's faithfulness. I think we should expect some moments like that. Now, please don't mishear me. We really, really do need to know that the Lord is on the throne of the universe. We need to know that he has a plan for every, li- every one of our lives individually, mapped out before the creation of the world. We need to know that. And, and in certain circumstances, in tragic times, you've you got to let people linger in their loss and in their sorrow and not jump too quickly to say, well, God is, in the, God is on his throne. You need both. Uh, 20 odd years ago, I um, went to visit someone in hospital, a young man in his 20s. He just had um, uh, uh, surgery for cancer and was in a pretty bleak way. It was, it was hard work visit, you know, he's just physically very weak, etc. And um, visited and had some conversation, tried some in an 
cheer you up, but you know, it was just, he was exhausted and, and wiped out. Anyway, I opened the Bible and said, well, let's just read a bit of Bible. And so read Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And he said, I'll just go away. And I thought, well, that's a bit rude. And I think a little bit later, I thought, he does need to know that. And he knows it. He's been a Christian a while. But he also just needs the space to grieve. Uh, cancer surgery, been told I'll never have children, don't know what the future looks like. He's just got to grieve and know that the Lord is sovereign. There's got to be space for both. The Psalms place together God's everlasting faithfulness and miserable circumstances. And Psalm 89 doesn't resolve them. I'd suggest that the Old Testament never fully resolves those two things being together and side by side. We see it. We see more clearly than Ethan did writing Psalm 89. We see Jesus. We know that God can work through extraordinary circumstances, bleak circumstances to achieve great good. We know that his faithfulness is supremely demonstrated in the work of Christ for you and for me. We see that. And yet there are still times for the Christian where Psalm 42, tears are my food day and night. How are you doing? I'm, all I've got is tears. That's all I've got. There are times when that is still true. And you know that the Lord will wipe away every tear from your eye. You do know that still. But right now, I'm just eating tears. I have a friend from the Philippines, he's a, a, a lecturer in a, a Bible college in the Philippines, Rico Villanueva, and um, uh, uh, his PhD research was in the Psalms, and the Psalms, in particular the Psalms of Lament, and he's written a very good book, I think, It's Okay to Be Not Okay. That's okay, as a Christian. Uh, and he says, well, let's just have a look at some of these Lament Psalms. And it's okay. the chapter headings are great. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to weep. It's okay to question God. It's okay. Now, he's a good pastor. Not that the Bible wants to leave you in those emotions, but help you with them and move you through them in God's timing. But it's okay. That's, that's the normal range of human life. I remember I'd be really struck and helped by him in that. In Matthew 26, the, the Lord Jesus could declare, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's quite a sentence. The sinless one could say, I'm so emotionally overwhelmed I might just die before I get to the cross. I'm so grief-struck at what's about to happen. He's the sinless one. He still trusted his father through the garden, through the cross, because I'm just overwhelmed by this. We need in our churches to make sure there is space to lament and give people time, even as we assure them every tear will be wiped away. 
Because even in this psalm, Ethan doesn't say, God, are you going to keep your promises? Will you? Will you? He says, how long? I know you'll keep your promises. I know you will because you're faithful. But how long until we actually see it? That's the first prayer. How long? Verses 46 to 48. The the second, 49 to 51, remember your anointed. Remember your anointed. Verse 50. Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked, how I bear in my heart the taunts of all the nations, the taunts with which your enemies, Lord, have mocked, with which they've mocked every step of your anointed one. Lord, remember, who's the speaker at this point? Israel, the nation, yeah. The psalmist, Ethan, yeah. The king, the anointed king. Is it him speaking, verse 50? Most probably. Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked, how I, the king, bear in my heart the taunts of all the nations. Yes, it's it's the king, ultimately. And you and I know, of course, that this is ultimately filled in in Christ, the one who, as he stumbled through the streets of Jerusalem with his cross, was mocked, and the one who, as he was was hanging upon the cross, was mocked by the soldiers, and as he bore the wrath of God in our place, was mocked by the religious leaders. And he was mocked and bruised, and flogged, and punished. So you and I are not, ever. His vow, his covenant and blood are my defense against the flood. When earthly hopes are swept away, he'll uphold me on that day. He is the guarantee of God's faithfulness to us. There will be times when the promises that we've been taught from a tender age or from when we become a Christian, the promises of God's faithfulness and what we can see have an enormous gap between them. But we see Jesus. We see the faithful one guaranteeing that one day we'll be with him and every tear will be wiped away. We see the faithful Jesus and know The Lord allowed strange circumstances to achieve great good. He might be doing that in my life, even though it's very painful now. So when you're in the gap, as Ethan was, between the promises of God and what you can see, you can still sing. It may do you the world of good to sing. I will sing of your love forever. It may well be you do so with your eyes full of tears and your head very confused and your heart full of anguish. But you can still sing because you can see Jesus and know that the Lord's faithfulness, it never ends. His steadfast love endures forever. Even if we can't see quite how it's playing out in our lives, We can see Jesus. Let's pray together.
Father, as we sung, there are times when darkness seems to hide your face. And uh, we think, well, no, I, I can still rest on your unchanging grace. There are times when we feel that, when that is our experience, where tears are our food day and night. But Father, thank you that we can see Jesus in every high and stormy gale. We can have a secure hold upon him as our rock and our cornerstone, knowing that you're a father who gave his son, what will you not give to secure our eternity? Father, help us to sing even when we're bewildered. Help us to see Jesus even in the storms. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, that's it from us here in this episode. Thanks for listening.